my favorite cocktail in the world is a vodka soda with a twist of lime. Oh. At my bachelorette party, oh yeah, we had a signature drink, and it was vodka soda with lime, because I love them so much. And in the very first scene, which we will get to soon enough, John gets two vodka sodas for him and his date, and those vodka sodas were so big. You do not get a vodka soda that size at a restaurant. I'm sorry. You get like a whiskey glass or smaller or maybe a highball if you're lucky. But even at that point, we're talking less than eight ounces total. Oh, those were 16. 16 easy. Yeah, I was like... They were like small squat, not pint glasses, but... <laughs> well, I was just like, how do I get those vodka sodas? Or how much did they pay for those vodka sodas? You gotta go to Tom Blair's, honey. Also, okay, again, we're gonna get to this, but... Carlton Lasseter's ordering scotch and there's still lime on a sword on his table. <gasps> Thank you. What is this place? Who serves scotch with a lime? Tom Blair's is unhinged. <laughs> Here's my thing. I like a good whiskey with some ginger beer and some lime, you know, pseudo Moscow mule, Kentucky mule. Mm. I like it with some ginger ale and some lime. Again, pseudo Kentucky mule. But not scotch. Like scotch... And whiskey and bourbon, I guess, all technically fall into the same category, if you will. But no, scotch is in its like own little land. Bourbons and whiskeys are one thing, but not scotch. Yeah, I feel like if you're getting into like single malt whiskeys and scotches and some, you know, higher brow things, they're not mixers, right? No. Like they're no. not, yeah. You drink those straight up, you drink them on the rocks. Right. End of list. Mm. I mean, I'm, I'm over here drinking bastardized spiked lemonade, but... <laughs> <laughs> It's fun, though. <laughs> I was like, I can do an entire podcast on how to drink delicious drinks. I would be okay with that. I mean, but... I know I, I watch too much Trixie Mattel when as soon as I hear vodka soda, I go, oh, gay water. <laughs> <laughs> I just love me some vodka sodas. So. Must be over 21 to listen to this part of the podcast. <laughs> yes. Or if you're under 21, just don't drink until you turn 21. And then don't try a vodka soda first. It's not going to be worth it first time around. Oh, Drink no. yourself a nice light beer, a nice whatever Kaylee is drinking right now. Smirnoff neon lemonade. <laughs> Not a sponsor, but it could be. Dun 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 lemonade. Hide the alcohol <laughs> from me. <laughs> Do that. That's a whole nother podcast in and of itself. Mm, when I don't want to hide the alcohol from myself, I have a Hemingway daiquiri. <laughs> what is a Hemingway daiquiri? Oh, a Hemingway daiquiri is lovely. It's mostly white rum. And it's grapefruit juice, and it's lime, mm. and it's a splash of grenadine for color. Oh. It's, it's great. That sounds delightful. It's heavy-handed, but it's great. <laughs> oh, I love that. But should we actually, like, do the normal podcast? I guess it's showtime. This is To, to the, the Blueberry! I am Alexis, one of your hosts of To the Blueberry. I am a real-life Gus. And I'm Kaylee, and I'm her co-host, and I'm the real-life Sean of this best friend duo. We are, in fact, real-life Sean and Gus's who <laughs> maybe don't solve murders, but do have a Yet. podcast about other people who do solve murders. <laughs> I can't wait till we start solving murders. How reckless are we? <laughs> oh, I know. This is season one, episode 10, and it's called From the Earth to Starbucks. I don't know if you did this or not, but as soon as I read that title, the first thing that my brain did was, to the window, <laughs> to the wall. <laughs> no, my lit nerd went from the earth to the moon, the Jules Verne story, and then the really great short film that goes with it. <laughs> not me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I went a totally different direction there, but that's okay. Oh, and because I failed to catch this until the very, very end of the episode, we're going to be talking about a observatory, planetarium type thing throughout the majority of the episode, and it is called the Santa Barbara Space Center. Oh. I had to write that down at the top of my notes because I didn't write it down anywhere else. I did not write that anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Irrelevant. There's a place with a telescope and it's digital, apparently. <laughs> yes. But we are starting the episode with a flashback and it is 1987. Mm. We have Lil Sean number three and Lil Gus number two. And the first thing we hear is, I need 80 cents. 
They are with Henry at a grocery store and Sean is trying to buy candy bars. Yeah, right? like many candy bars and he's short on money and Henry's telling him to put back two of his candy bars, which how cheap are these candy bars? They're huge. That would be like saying one of them is more important than the other. But he's trying to make Gus go first. Gus is like, no, you're going to try to take whatever money I have left. He's like, when have I ever tried to do that? Wednesday, Saturday, Monday, and Monday. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. So Gus is like, no mooching, son. You go first. All the pushing and shoving doesn't work. But then lucky, lucky Sean is the one millionth customer. I wrote down the number, but I think I wrote down one billion because zeros. It is one million. And he won all kinds of cool stuff, including that bike right there behind you, gift certificates, and all kinds of other stuff. Can I use one of my gift certificates right now? Yes. (laughs) And he buys all of the candy and the scene just fades out on Henry's face and it's so funny. But he's like, did you, did you see that Gus? How lucky am I? And then it's like fading (laughs) out and it's like, And then it literally on the screen says 20 charmed years later. (laughs) Great fade back into the present. He's walking into Tumblr's pub with a sexy, sexy lady who's like, oh my God, I can't believe I just asked you out. How random. (laughs) (laughs) I like that you called her a sexy, sexy lady because I called her a rando. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think I wrote down rando. No, I said random hottie. She's a random hottie. But she's very, very pretty. She's like petite and she's got this heart-shaped face. And I was just like... She's really pretty. Like, she's actually more striking than any of the girls that Sean ever points out to us in this show so far. And she's got these real, like, spunky vibes. She, like, asked him on a date that day, and she's starting all of these new things in her life. Everything's going to be great. I'm really going to, like, live life to the fullest. And I signed up for a painting class yesterday. You know, they make the kind of paint you can eat now. (laughs) Sean says. (laughs) The girl's name is Amanda, and Amanda gets a call from something on her cell phone, her very nice early aughts cell phone, and she immediately ignores it. And it's pretty obvious that she had been ignoring a call from her ex. And that's when the vodka sodas come in, and I was upset, but (laughs) Sean sees the pretty heart necklace that Kaylee was talking about and uses his psychic powers, if you will, and asked Amanda how long she's been out of this relationship. He's like, "Mm, did it end maybe today? And she's like, yesterday. How did you know? (laughs) And apparently it's his curse to have this radar, like, as we'll see. So she's like, yeah, but I'm totally over it. It was like, he was cheating on me, blah, blah, blah. He was lying about stuff. And everything she's saying, Sean's like, "Uh uh-huh, 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 wasn't cheating. That's not what was happening. Um, He had been going through her stuff, her address book and her her jewelry. jewelry. He had been randomly staying out late and going places without her. And then finally, he told her that he was at his friend's house watching the game. But then one of her friends saw him. That was a lot of pronouns there, but we'll just keep going. (laughs) One of her friends saw him someplace where he said he wasn't. And she assumed that he was out with another woman. And Sean kind of breaks it down for her in a way we usually don't see him because he has to play the psychic a lot more with the police. He's like, yeah, he was going through your jewelry because he wants to know your ring size. And he was going through your address book because he's asking your parents for your hand and their blessing. And he wasn't at that place that sounds really vague with someone else. He was probably on the north side uh, at this jeweler trying to buy a ring. And that heart necklace you've got, he took you to Tiffany's to suss out what kind of stones and settings you like girl he's not cheating she's a little bit hesitant but looks at him and said should i call him and sean replies i'll let you be the psychic on that one oh so she gets on the phone and walks off he's like take your time and turns around you know sipping on his vodka soda and who do we see but detective lassiter and he's all wasted we see that he's been having scotches and we see the limes on the tables which both of us agree don't make sense (laughs) Lassiter just looked at him and said you know what you astound me and Sean straight up thinks he's joking like that there's a bot coming or a joke coming yeah and Lassiter's being like weirdly complimentary but we find out it's because he's feeling really down about himself because today's been a bad day I used to be a great detective Like, I used to really get things done. Heck, I caught the Back Bay Killer. 
all based off like some little thing and Sean's like, was it the blue sedan? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, no, hey, that, that was, was you. you. <laughs> so as long as we're talking about the Back Bay Killer, they're in Santa Barbara, mm-hmm. which is very close to San, well, close enough to San Francisco. And there were a lot of murderers in San Francisco. And so do you, one, is the Back Bay Killer real? Two, do you think the Back Bay Killer is some sort of reference to, like, the Golden State Killer? So the Golden State Killer at the time that he was actually active, because he was active for a very, very, very long time, he had a lot mm-hmm. of different names. He didn't get coined the Golden State Killer until Michelle McNamara really compiled everything, and they right. found out this was all the same guy. True crime, y'all. I don't think the Back Bay Killer is anybody real, but he could be based on someone real and less, like, modern. I guess at the time, oh, the Golden shoot. State Killer... I think it might be. Hold on. Okay, I'm going to go 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 forth. I'm going to look into okay. this. Okay. So Kaylee's going to look into that. Lassie confides in Sean that he has actually been having a very bad day. On top of him feeling kind of not good at his job, he points out that he had told everybody that he and his wife had only been separated for 9 months, but the truth is that they had been separated for 2 years. And over that course of two years, he tried counseling, therapy, acupuncture, nothing worked. So when I typed in Back Bay Killer, it did bring up the Golden State Killer and all of his many other names. Um, But he was active during like 74 through the like mid to late 80s. And so, yeah, so it's not him. (laughs) But I mean, that could be an easy reference to one of the many, many killers in California from Mm -hmm. the the 60s to present. Lassiter's probably not old enough to have caught somebody from the 80s. But he didn't get caught until, like, recently. Right. The Golden State Killer didn't get... 2014? Didn't get caught until, yeah, after... No, it was later than that, wasn't it? 2017, I think. 2018. Yeah, until after this episode was even shot. Yeah. (laughs) I don't even know what California is actually the state of, but I always kind of think of it as like the free love state. Like, just like everybody going to California, hitchhiking, lots of colleges, lots of just like laid backness or whatever. But dude, so many killers, so many legendary serial killers. It's like wild. Would recommend Not at Night, the Netflix documentary on the Night Stalker. Oh, 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 that one's rough. Yeah, Night Stalker is terrifying. He is. But uh, the guy who ended up being the Golden State Killer, one of his names was the original Night Stalker. Oh. Yeah. So, like, that was a moniker that was given out because, like, these guys were sneaky. Eventually, Lasseter hands Sean his cups, and he said, I am over. I didn't realize he handed him his cups. He did. I totally Which comes that. back around. Put that into your memory bank. <laughs> I do remember the next part. <laughs> This is when Sean has this great moment of trying to give Lassiter a lot of joy and happiness. Lassie, uh, Carlton, you have eyes that women want to do cannonballs into. And I thought that was just a perfect... There, there were more compliments besides that, but I liked that one because Kaylee and I have commented on how beautiful Lassiter's eyes are more than once. It's very, very pretty to look at. And I just kept thinking, our Lassiter, our personal real life Lassiter is a Capricorn. And when I tell you this girl is the sneakiest drunk, <laughs> like, I mean, TV show Lassiter has the same crazy Capricorn lucid drunk MO. Like, <laughs> yes, they're wasted. Yes, you know it. But then they have these moments of speaking normally, making good sense. And you go, Oh, you're not that drunk, are you? And then they <laughs> fall off a bar stool. <laughs> Which does happen. But <laughs> first, Lassie brings up this case from a month ago. And this healthy 42-year-old astronomer dies of, quote, natural causes. But he hadn't had any issues. He hadn't had any heart disease. He was healthy. He worked out every day. He ate well. And he couldn't figure out why. It didn't sit right with Lassiter. Lassiter said, this was murder. I knew it, but I had no evidence. They wouldn't even let me pursue it. And so this case is haunting him. At his low moment, this case is really getting to him. In getting to him, he looked at Sean and said, I know he was murdered. I just can't prove it. 
It takes him a long time to force out the word prove it. Yeah. <laughs> the rando comes and Sean strays to have a conversation with her. I'm not going to call her rando. Oh Amanda my god, she just comes. got engaged. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> As she walks away, Sean said, I'm never going to see you again. And we just <laughs> hear a thud. And that's when Lassie's on the floor. Sean was pretty calm for this guy that I'm going to say he considers to be a friend, having just physically passed out from alcohol use in a public place. But he does steal his keys. Does he? Yeah, there's like a jingling in the, in the holding of the keys. And I'm like, oh, he just took Lassiter's keys because he was like, you're not going to drive, right? <laughs> Earlier in the scene. Oh, I didn't notice that. And for this whole scene, I just wrote, Sean's big fat heart. Because he's like, he's trying to leave and then he sees how low Lassiter is. And he just got done with this girl who's clearly on the rebound and, you know, is not looking for anything serious. And he's going to be her good time and her unleashing herself on the world. And he gives that up because he knows it's the right thing to do. And then he turns mm -hmm. right after that. And here's Lassie at a low, low point. And Sean's like... This man needs my help. <laughs> Not to get into his car and try to go home in his state, but also, as we'll see after the credits. <laughs> in the next actual scene, we're at the Santa Barbara Police Department, and Sean just kind of checks on Lassie. Hey, how are you doing? Did you get home safe last night? Good morning, Lassie. <laughs> yeah, and Lassiter's straight up playing dumb, and nothing is phasing him. Not any of the hints about drinking, not any of the questions Sean's lobbing at him, until Sean says, yesterday was a tough anniversary, huh? And Lassiter Who have you been talking to? Yeah, just a, a total flip, and that's the only thing that got to him. He's like, I, I don't really drink, unless it's like wine <laughs> at a wedding. Wine at weddings. An occasional snicker, brandy, a good single malt scotch. <laughs> and then Gus goes, that sounds like drinking to me. Yeah, dude. He's a purposeful drinker. It's not just like any old thing will do. I wrote again, Sean's big fat heart, because he's like, Gus, this man needs our help. We are going to take this case that's haunting him, and we are going to help him without his knowledge. Because we know Lassiter. And Lassiter's not going to take help from Sean or hire him for a case. Gus even says right. he would never do that. Sean kind of slides in that they're not going to get paid and that they're going to give all the credit for solving the case to Lassiter. And Gus said, dude, that's a good idea, Sean. I ditch out of work on a day when we release three new products to spend time on an unsolvable case in which we won't get paid and someone else gets all the credit. Dude, that was some of the best nutshelling I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite Gus is trying to say we're equal partners we agree to be equal partners everything's okay and Sean was like but we we already have uh, an interview he's like it's gonna be a problem cause I'm about to meet with the wife of the dead guy in about 10 minutes and he's like it's cool it's cool you stand watch outside the chief's office we'll get this done we'll get through this and he wants a fist bump and Gus is not giving it up. Gus leaves him hanging. He says, you know I get poor circulation to my limbic regions. And then Gus walks away and he goes, my pinky's going numb. But okay, so this is what I wrote down. The limbic regions, the limbic system is the brain. And it's the certain parts of the brain that have to do with behavior and emotional responses. These include the amygdala, the hippocampus, the thalamus, the hyperthalamus, the basal ganglia, and the cingulate gyrus. And this is a very good joke, and I'm explaining the hell out of it, but it is a very good joke for Sean to say something about his limbic regions. So is that your lizard brain or is that your human brain? That is your lizard brain. That is like one of the oldest parts of our brain, evolutionarily speaking. And I did Google all of this. But yeah, so it's like it's your basic behaviors and your emotional responses to things. I think it's like a lot of like instinct stuff right yeah that's your fight or flight oh my gosh my pen's in my hair that's your fight or flight <laughs> magic head <laughs> yes i have the magic head he's almost arguing that he's got more strength in his human brain than the rest of us do which he kind of does <laughs> there is one thing though because like when i think of lizard brain i always go to that water boy quote where he's like the medulla <laughs> and they talk about like a gator and mm -hmm. 
how he's so grumpy because he got all them teeth and no toothbrush. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's not on the list, actually. But We end up back in Chief Vic's Chief office, but Chief Vic is not there. But the widow of this case that Sean had been talking to Lassiter about is in the room. Her name is Mary. Mary Valerie. Yeah. I didn't write his full name down till later, but she does refer to his first name, Brian, in this scene. And later on, we get their last name again. But yes, Mary and Bryant is the dead astronomer. I really hate that his name is Bryant as a first name. I'm just going to say it. It's (laughs) stupid. They talk and she shares with Sean that he had been using the telescope at the museum and that they had worked very, very hard to get access to this telescope. He worked very, very long hours. And all the time that she's kind of explaining her concerns, Sean is just staring at Juliet. And then Yeah, he's like looking out the door window and she's going, you know, they worked so hard to land this. They got granted eight months on the new digital telescope. Two weeks in, and stuff got weird, and Sean kind of says, is that when he started feeling sick? And she's like, not sick so much as just, like, off. We, like, canceled a vacation. He was working really long hours. Like, almost, and she doesn't say this, but almost, like, he started to get a little cagey. Mm-hmm. And Sean, still gazing at Juliet out of the window, is like, is there maybe anything you don't want to say, but <laughs> you're holding back? And she's like, I hate to say it out loud even, but... I did briefly suspect that he was having an affair, which is crazy because, like, he was talking about starting a family together and, like, really looking towards the future. And he was a really good guy. So that, like, I, you know, I hate to think it, but the long hours, the never being available, taking calls at night, all this stuff, it, it, it did make me wonder. All the while, Sean's still staring at Juliet. And she catches him. And she said, um, okay, so can I clarify something? Your name is also Carlton Lasseter? And Sean said, yes, but I spelled mine with a K. Two Ks, actually. (laughs) So they leave and they're saying goodbye and Julia confronts them and is like, excuse me, Carlton? Carlton? Sean goes, with a K. And then the lady goes, two Ks. And he goes, the second one's silent. And for some reason, this sad look (laughs) passes between them. Did you catch that? Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. Juliet takes Sean into Chief Vic's office and just straight up said, this is not a case. As much as Lasseter tried, this is not a case. He attempted to make it a case. It's not a case. She's like, I'm going to need a whole lot of explanation from you on what you're doing with all of this because it's weird. And he gets real with her. He's like, don't you think he needs this? And don't you think he won't let us help him with it? And Jules believes his explanation. Like, I'm a good guy. I'm trying to do a good thing for someone who won't let me. And she's instantly on board. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I think sneaky do-gooder Sean is her kink. <laughs> I called them sneaky. I said sneaky soul for Lassie. Yeah. It was kind of beautiful. But the screen cuts to some B footage. And it's the outside of the psych office. And the logo is blue. I wrote that down. I was like... That H was green last week. It was. It was green, Alexis. It was green. Well, hold on. Hold on. I'll get there. So we're inside the psych office, and Sean is still talking about this case. And he said, I predict we will solve it on Friday around 10.01 p.m., and then maybe watch some cable. And when he's talking to Gus and he said that, the camera pans past the window, and the psych picture is green from the inside. Old B footage. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <I'm> so angry. <laughs> Just to add a little star to that, at the time of this airing, Psych was airing on Fridays at 9 p.m. So them solving it on Friday at 10 or 1 p.m. and then maybe watching some cable is what they would have done. <laughs> the jokes. I know. So smart. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay. Sean's saying that he can't get a hold of his dad and he's like, this is weird. I don't know what the man could possibly be doing. I think he named something, but I didn't write that down. And Gus is looking at the whiteboard or clearboard or whatever. We never see it from the other side, I feel like. Mm -hmm. And he's like, so this is the case. Like you're actually doing this. Like this is still a thing. 
And Sean is like, yeah, it's going to be, you know, easy. We're going to be great. Gus is talking about, he's like, dude, you have one job. Of course you're not stressed about this. I have two jobs. I'm having stress dreams about whether the tablets or the gel caps are more effective. Of course it's the tablets. But then Sean talks about his own dream and he was flying over Auckland on the back of a swan made primarily of cocoa. All of his dreams have something to do with food or drink and animals. <laughs> Very strange. He just starts kind of goading Gus and saying, you're going to want to take this case. I know you're going to want to take this case because the victim was an astronomer at the observatory. Gus just kind of acts all cool. And Sean points out that Gus had been going to the observatory on Thursdays in the afternoon, usually around two on a very regular basis. And Gus is mad. You've been tailing me? Maybe. Are you kidding me, Sean? Sometimes. <laughs> And then Sean says, don't get all Vincent Gallo on me, which I had to look this up because he's not the type of dude that you and I recognize from pop culture. But he's like this actor, director, auteur who does indie shit and is, you know, reportedly a huge dick. I also had to look it up because in my brain, my brain immediately went to my cousin Vinny. Oh. <laughs> because his name was Vincent Gamboni. But in the movie, he told the judge that his, like, working name was Gallo. And then he uh, later has to correct it and say it's Gallo with a C. And then it all happens. But I love that movie, and that wasn't the reference when I was sad. Yeah. Basically, he's telling Gus not to get all, like, aloof and dickish. Gus does not want to be followed anymore. And he said, I'm going to be like a jackal. Consider me in stealth mode, Sean. Consider me stealth. And then he does this head bobble. <laughs> and Sean just has to comment on the head bobble. <laughs> We're in the blueberry and Gus is bobbing and weaving through. It says, not a Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> on the screen. We I get on screen text. <laughs> I didn't catch that to the second time. But it was, uh, yeah, that was hilarious. He's trying to get to the observatory. He's taking all kinds of weird turns. He's like knocking his head down. He's like hiding and making sure the, he's not being followed. In the background, there's like this spied music playing and it's all very, very funny. And he walks in on not a Thursday and kind of looks around and tries to hide and tries to be stealth. And he asked the person working at the front desk for a ticket. No, he just says, excuse me, I have an annual pass. And then the person turns around. And it's Sean. So we find out Gus has an annual pass. Oh, excuse me, sir. I didn't see you standing there being so stealth-like. <laughs> the jackal has arrived. The jackal has arrived. <laughs> <laughs> and he just hangs at the intercom phone. And then they go on a walk and talk. This is when we get a little pop culture heavy, so it's pretty quick. He's like, come on, Gus. We're going to be undercover. He's like, I'm going to be the guy who works here, and you're going to be the customer. And Gus is like, I am the customer. He's like, see, you're already in character, like Don Cheadle. <laughs> and Gus is still not about it. He says, come on, man, I only need you for a minute. Like when Kaniki needed Danny Zuko. And you get to be Travolta in this analogy. <laughs> I had to look up who Don Cheadle was. I know. I'm sorry. I'm oh, sorry, okay. Don Cheadle, if you ever listen to our podcast. I know exactly who you are. I just He's very, very, it. very good. And he's in a lot of great things. But I think what we're referring to here is probably the Oceans movies, if those aren't too late in the game. Because it feels like it would be the Oceans movies. Yeah. Because he always does, like, characters, right? right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Sean's telling Gus that he needs him to distract the creepy janitor because the guy's always lurking and watching and Sean needs to do some snooping. Gus immediately kind of goes into smooth mode because he sees a girl. Her name is Jessica, and she's getting a cup of coffee from Hugo, one of the other astronomers, astronomers. who works at the planetarium or observatory or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the so, Santa Barbara Space Center. <laughs> so Sean is like, who, Jessica? And Gus is like, how do you know her name? And he's like, dude, She's my coworker. I've got an in. Let me be your wingman. <laughs> Which, for the record, I'm an excellent wing person. Okay, so she's walking by and Gus is like, I can't just like go in. Like, this is a quality girl. I've got to spend quality time. He's telling Sean her life story. He knows it all. Yeah, she's fresh off a breakup. And so he needs to move in casually. He needs to be slow about it. 
and she walks by, and uh, Gus said, "Oh, here she comes, act natural." Oh, they do the act natural. As soon as Jessica walks past Sean and Gus, that's when Sean said, "Hey, Jesse, do you know Gus?" <laughs> Which, how I met your mother, totally stole. <laughs> <laughs> Have you met Gus? Of course, Jessica knows Gus because he- he's a regular. Sean is like, we went to high school together. He was so cool. I idolized him. And he starts talking him up, telling lies, actually, which I do not do. Not necessary when your friend is as winning as Gus is and my friends are. Sean wants Gus and Jess to hang out, to have a conversation, to talk. And she said, no, I can't. I have to do the planetarium show. And Sean is like, oh, I can do it. I got this. Yeah. I I just I just did the whole checklist. <clears throat> By the way, question 18 has a typo. <laughs> She's like, oh, great. Thanks, Sean. So Sean starts running into the planetarium. (laughs) The way he's running gets repeated and commented on by Gus because he's running. It's very Jim Carrey, like bouncing the mic off his butt. So I went two different references, one for society and then one I'm going to cut out because it's just for me and you. I think he looks like Woody from Toy Story when he's running. (laughs) Just like all the flopping. Yes. My dad always said that ran like Woody from Toy Story. I don't think I ever saw that boy run. Well, we did in tennis. Dad always was like, doesn't he? Because he was all arms and legs. Yes, he was all wobbly. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That's great. That's so great. Okay, so Sean runs off like a ridiculous person, and then Gus turns back to Jessica. Gus said, Have you heard about Pluto? That's messed up, right? And it's our first, it's not going to be our last, but it's our first time hearing that for real, for real. This is such a big episode. (laughs) I love that line and I use it as much as I possibly can. I have never used it as a pickup line like Gus does because that's one of Gus's go-tos, but it's still just a great, have you heard about Pluto? That's messed up, right? Yeah. For all the Gen Z's out there, Pluto was a planet and we're all still salty about it. Just deal with it. Okay. Wait a second. Wait a second. So my coffee friends told me that Pluto is once again a planet. What? What the hell? Because everyone was so salty about it. Nuh-uh. We did not. Millennials did not affect change. Come on. That's what they told me. Kaylee's going to look it up. While Kaylee's looking it up, I will continue to move on. Because we then cut to the SBPD and Juliet is bringing Lassiter the Valerie file, the dead guy file. And she just starts gaslighting him like crazy. Oh, you asked me to bring that to you. Yeah, we were talking about it. Oh, yeah, that's that's definitely what you wanted. Oh, you were totally right. The wife was suspecting that there was an affair. And that was the beginning of how Lassie got his groove back. The internet is divided. Bum, bum, bum. Futurism.com says Pluto has been officially reclassified as a planet. One other place says it is now classified as a dwarf planet. And another one says... No, it's still not an official planet in our solar system. So I don't know what they're teaching in science classes right now, but there used to be nine solar planets (laughs) and we had an acronym (laughs) to help us learn them in order. And I don't remember the acronym, but I can name them all in order. My very educated mother just brought us nine pizzas. That was not the one that I learned when I learned it in elementary school. Really? My very educated mother just brought us nine pizzas? Wait, that's not right. There's no B in the solar system. Soda? <laughs> nine pizzas? Has my entire life been a sham? Has my entire education been incorrect? My very eager mother just served us nine pizzas. Served us nine pizzas. Not brought. And I do like educated mother more than eager mother. Yeah. Because women be learning. Correct. <laughs> okay, so my life is in shambles. We shall move on. We are in the planetarium show, and Sean is hosting it, and he kind of turns it on, and he greets them all by saying, my name is Aurora Borealis, and then just starts making crap up. <laughs> He's just looking at stars, pointing at things, calling them by random stuff. And he said that there were almost 400 stars in the universe. No, he's technically correct because he says there are over 400 stars in our galaxy. (laughs) 
And some say our galaxy is larger than the Indian Ocean. Which, again, not technically wrong. <laughs> Which is why we call it Infantitum Star Octopusium. And the people are just starting to go, what? So then <laughs> things start to move, and what are they called? Constellations. Constellations start to be outlined on the ceiling screen that they're watching. Vernon the Creepy Custodian, which, not, not my words, Sean's words, Sean's words. Came up to Sean and said, you've got to name him. And so <laughs> Sean just starts naming him. The Hammer of Jeff. Monkey with wrath. <laughs> <laughs> and this guy can clearly be helpful because at one point Sean goes south and he goes north, north. And then again, so, you know, something starts shooting across the planetarium sky and Sean goes, oh, look. There goes an asteroid. Comet. And then starts talking about Comet the Cleaner and how that stuff smells so bad. But it gets your sink so clean. <laughs> the janitor is very, very close to Sean. And Sean finally is just like, dude, you've got to back off. You've got to take a step back. And Vernon ends up leaving the planetarium. Yeah, he's, like, very chill. Like, no bad blood. The yeah. dude is just, like, chill. He just, like, doesn't understand personal space and didn't think anything of it. But it got right. pointed out, and he respected it. So right. I'm like, you know what? He's not that creepy. Well, we'll get there in a minute. <laughs> he steps back. He starts walking out. And Sean's like, this is my chance to follow the janitor. And so Sean just jacks up the lasers and starts following Vernon. And we're in the locker room where Vernon is breaking into a locker and stealing stuff. Thieving thief! Yes. Hence the statement I made earlier. <laughs> now, at one point, he pulled out a bar of deodorant and he opened it and he smelled it. And again, don't know if you caught it, but the deodorant was completely unused. Oh, no, I didn't get that. It was still perfectly sheened. It had never been opened or pushed out. And I was like... Why does somebody have unused deodorant in their locker? And it's because it's a prop, Alexis. No, okay. So I keep deodorant at work, specifically at work, just in case I forget mine. So unused? It could just be un. It could be unused. I don't know if you buy one when you're out one day because you're like, did I? Do I need to have some an emergency stash? I usually take an older, like you know, yeah, mostly this, empty that's one. Where I'm at. But, I mean, I don't know how bougie some people are. Like, they just, like, buy a brand new one to take to work just in case. I don't, I don't know. But, yes, probably because it's a prop. <laughs> yeah. Sean ends up in the telescope room with Hugo, the other astronomer besides Bryant Valerie. And Hugo just starts talking to him like crazy. Hugo oh, yeah. Is... He's, he's got the gift of gab. He just, he'll talk to anybody. He'll talk your ear off. But this is very famous character actor, comedian Richard Kind. And, of course, he's going to be very charismatic. But as Sean will point out later, like, he is avoiding questions and being a little bit cagey. Cagey is my word for this episode, apparently. He asks Sean to, like, hold the space bar while he adjusts something. And while Sean's holding the space bar, he notices that there's a weird bend in one of the pages of the books that's kind of just chilling in the room, the observatory. Mm -hmm. And Sean said, well, this seems like a two-man job. And that's when Hugo shares with Sean that he had a partner, but his partner passed away not too long ago. So they just kind of start talking about how long they've been working on this project. And he said that they'd been there for eight months or almost eight months. And Sean felt like that was a really long time. But Hugo said, no, no, not in space time, whatever. Because once you find something, you've got to track it. You've got to follow it. You've got to duplicate it. And you've got to make sure that everything is ready. And Hugo kind of ends his conversation because he's talking so much, much like I am right now, with this statement that makes it very obvious that Hugo is in it for the fame. He is excited that he's going to discover something and he's going to be the big name. Ooh, I did not even catch that. Oh, yes, he very much did. He said, you'll hear my name or you'll know my name, something like that. Hmm. Then we cut back to Gus and Jessica, and Gus is being smooth, Gus, and she's just talk, talk, talking, and then she goes, you're such a good listener. 
Because he is. But he's, like, commenting. He's being, like, he's showing that he's actually listening and, like, contributing. He's like, oh, yeah, it's such a gift to have known what you wanted to do since you were a little kid. And, like, she's very opposite of Hugo. And Mm -hmm. she's just like, I just want to see something nobody's ever seen. I don't care if it's super tiny and no one ever knows my name. I just like the experience and being an astronomer. So it's very, yeah. She straight up said, I'm not hoping to become famous, quote, like most of these other guys want. Yeah, because dudes be trash. But anyway, (laughs) then she looks at the planetarium entrance and she's like, that's weird. It's been 45 minutes. And Gus is like, what, the show's still going on? She's like, it's a four-minute show. (laughs) But then everybody leaves the theater. And And it's fine. Everyone's messed up. Oh, yeah. Like, super nauseated and dizzy and, like, someone's puking. I mean, I don't think we see anything, but we definitely hear it. Yes. Sean and Gus are on another walk and talk, kind of revamping what happened, what they were doing while they were apart. And that's when Sean said, hey, how did it go? And Gus holds out a piece of paper. And Sean goes, digits? Gus's response is, you know this. And then Sean goes, nice. Uh, it's, that's not he, right. It's very he Borat. He does fully Borat. No, yeah. yes! That's it. <laughs> that sounds shrill in my own ears, so I'm sorry for this microphone. And Gus is like, all right, we can go now. And Sean's like, no, no, I work till five. I can't leave early. I've got a job, man. And he, like, runs back in the building. <laughs> With his super weird run. We end up at the Santa Barbara Police Department where Juliet and Lassiter are kind of just hanging out. And Lassie's going through all kinds of stuff and looking around, and he still feels like there's something wrong, especially since this guy just out of nowhere had a heart attack. And Lassiter said that he has a personal friend who's a cardiologist, and he's going to have him check the autopsy report just to make sure that nothing weird happened. While Lassiter's walking away, Sean and Gus kind of sneak into the area to talk to Juliet. And Juliet shares with them that they were able to get his phone records, uh, the dead guy's phone records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bryant's phone records when they got them. Nothing much on the home phone. A few weird things on the work phone. But the cell phone, they hit pay dirt. There are so many calls at all hours to this one phone number. And she's like, it's 555. And she's like, where is it? Where's the rest of this? And Gus pulls out the digits he just got from Jessica. And it's a match. And Sean psychically gets the last number. And she's like, oh my god, you're so good. (laughs) Gus absolutely thinks that it was Jessica that killed him. They are putting together the fact that Jessica just got out of a breakup, that the wife thought he was having an affair, and that the number he was calling at all hours of night, way too often for business, unless it's monkey business, was (laughs) Jessica's number. And Gus is like... Dude, you're the one who always jumps to conclusions. Why are you not jumping all over this one? And Sean's like, look, just because he's your ex-boyfriend does not make her the murderer. Like, what's even the motive here? Like, it doesn't, it just doesn't track enough. And he's still like, there's something about this creepy janitor whose name is Vernon. (laughs) He wants to follow up on all of his other suspects. And they're back at the Santa Barbara Space Center. And Sean is using, like, a security pass to get into a restricted area. But then he can't get into the telescope room because it requires an actual key for a lock. And so he's trying to, like, jimmy it open. When they're trying to, like, break in, that's when Vernon shows up. And Vernon said, that's it. Or no, he goes, that's wrong. He's like, "Uh, no, I I totally left my pogo stick in here. And he's like, no, no, no. You gotta, like, you gotta go in an upward... Mo- You're doing it wrong. Here, let me do it. And he just moves him out of the way and jimmies the door for them. While he's jimmying the door, Sean said, you don't have a key? And he said, no. Big Bad Bryant took it away just a few weeks after they got here. He's like, oh, why would, why would he do that? He's like, uh, some stuff went missing. <laughs> like a comb and something else and some mail. He's like, who's mail? The dead guy. Did you read it? (laughs) Of course I read it. (laughs) That's when Vernon shares that Valerie had been trying to dissolve his partnership with Hugo. Now, I want to say... That Bryant Valerie was a dick. No, but (laughs) that's right. I want to say I don't think that his key got taken away because small things went missing. 
I think that Bryant Valerie was covering his tracks in every way he could think of so that nobody would discover that he made a discovery and was trying to dissolve the partnership and yep. take all the credit on his own. Yep. When he was part of a duo, man, that's just, look, I'm not saying anyone should get murdered for being a dick, but you understand people are going to have motive when someone's that big a dick. Vernon pointed out that he had been getting job offers that he wasn't qualified for from major universities and even NASA, and that he had just changed. Valerie had just changed a lot, but Hugo was always nice to Vernon. Everybody, even Vernon. He brought him coffee every morning. Oh, he brought it for everybody, all four of us. Three of us. Three of us. Question. Do you Mm -hmm. truly believe that only four people work at that space center? I mean, how many people go to a space center on the regular, like, Gus? It's usually for, like, class field trips, and they usually bring their own chaperones, right? But if two of them are doing research, and one of them's a janitor, that leaves Jessica as the only person to manage the entire building. But Sean now works there, so apparently they had an opening at the front desk slash miscellaneous department. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, so it doesn't look like it's a very big place. They have, like, a planetarium, they've got some, like... You know, walk around and see these exhibits, and then they've got astronomers doing actual work, and an intern who's probably assisting them and doing miscellaneous stuff too. Gus is head over heels for this telescope. He's looking at it. He thinks it's so cool. Instead of like looking at the telescope, Sean is checking out those books that he had saw before that had that weird weirdness in the page. That's when Sean figures out that there's a missing page, and that's why that section looks so weird. Yeah, Vernon said that essentially they trade off every couple of hours. One watches the screen, one takes notes. Which we heard a little bit from Hugo earlier. Mm -hmm. As soon as they kind of realize what's going on, Vernon goes, Hugo's here. You don't have long. How how do you know that? He, He gets here at the same time every day. You can set your watch by it. He's like, thanks, man. I'll be nice to you. Just stop stealing the gum from my locker. You caught that, did you? (laughs) But the page that was missing from the book was from June 21st. Yes, yes, yes. Gus said some bad juju went down here. So we're (laughs) using juju again. Not juju magumbo this time, but some bad juju. bad juju. Yeah, yeah. So then we get Sean's silly run, and this is where Gus actually comments on Sean's silly run. He's like, why are you running like that? And they confirm the date. And they walk outside, and the janitor is helping get out this locked case from Hugo's van. Jessica's also out there. Why is everyone out there when he's getting this stuff out of his van? He's just bringing his stuff into the building for the day. But regardless, they're all out there, apparently. And they're like, uh, yeah, yeah, no problem. I gotta gotta see to the spray on this giant crab sculpture at the fountain. (laughs) I'm just gonna chill outside. So they walk into the building, and Sean goes, you know what that means. It means he's not at home. So then they like kind of go creep on his house. Oh, Jessica did talk to them before they went to Hugo's house. And Jessica said she wanted to change the time of her and Gus's date to 6.30. And Sean does this very cute thing and said, hey, man, I need to borrow your motorcycle tonight. You can take my little blue car. And she's like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. I get a little nervous on motorcycles, but it's like setting it up for it. Okay, it's okay. It's a little blue company car. (laughs) Jessica does share with them that Hugo keeps tracking readouts in this case that he carries back and forth from the house every day. And that's when they are like, oh, it's time to go to Hugo's house and check out what's going on. Once they're there, they realize that the guy does not have a very good house. Yeah. And Sean's like, there's not much money in astronomy, apparently. And Gus lets us know that you can make up to 100000 if you're on the lecture circuit if you're a name. I, again, this was in the in like early mid-aughts, but like especially now with how bad inflation is and in California, 100000 is not great, bro. You're not no. going to afford much of a house in Santa Barbara. No, not for $100,000. Sean is just kind of looking around the outside and he sees these ugly purple flowers, these quote awful purple stuff that are in his vegetable garden. And he's super confused why these ugly purple flowers are in a vegetable garden. I wrote, they look like alien flowers, like something from like a sci-fi movie, something pernicious. Sean pulls one of them up. And when he pulls one of them up, the entire root involved comes with them. They decide they're going to take the awful purple stuff and try to figure out what it is. And the plan is to take it to Henry's because who else spends all of their time in their garden? 
So they get to Henry's door and they're knocking and they're like, dude, it's business time. What's up? Why can't I get you on the phone? Where you been? I'm busy right now. <laughs> yeah, he's acting super weird. And Chuck's like, what is going on? And from the back of the house, we hear, Henry, where are your towels? <laughs> is there a woman in there? Is it, is there, is, uh, is there, is that a lady? Was that a lady? Do you have a lady in there? <laughs> Henry introduces as much as he can without actually introducing the person. The woman that is in the house, her name is Sylvia, and she's a caterer. And she has two children. Yes. And apparently <laughs> they've been getting along quite well for a while now. And they met on the internet. Right. And <laughs> Sean just drops the plant and leaves. <sighs> My dad having a life. I'm allergic. <laughs> He's absolutely freaking out about Henry dating, and so he just deuces out of there. We go to the SBPD where Juliet is on the phone with Sean. And Sean shares with her about June 21st being missing from the books. Lassie is on fire right now. He's like rechecking every relative the guy had. He's going through everything. Lassie walks up and then he's like, is that a personal call? And she's like, uh-huh. So he's like, get to step in. We got work to do. So she hangs up. And then he's like, we just found out that the dead guy opened a safety deposit box in June. And she goes, was that on June 21st? And he's like, June 21st. She's like, yeah, didn't you say something about June 21st? And this is where I'm going to pause. Because what they're doing to Lassiter is the opposite of gaslighting. And I worked really hard to find the word for this. Okay, so instead of making him doubt himself and think he's maybe crazy and, like, can't trust his own judgment, they are reinforcing himself, even making stuff up to help reinforce his idea of his instincts and his judgment. And so I went to the internets. <laughs> <clears throat> On LinkedIn, they're just saying that it's, like, yes-anding someone. But this is more – they're doing so much more. Then I found another thing that basically was trying to say – this is called empowering someone. I'm like, no, 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 no. Maybe that's the end result, but that's not what they're actively doing. And then I found a place, and it was a really random website, but they called this green lighting. Oh. Which I love. They're just like, yes, your ideas, your instincts, we're going with it. But then they're like adding to it. Like it's a movie script. Like it's a collaboration, even though Lassie doesn't know it's a collaboration. <laughs> so I was like, it's green lighting. They're green lighting. And Jules is freaking excellent at it. She's she is. so good. She's like, yeah, yeah, no, I, I heard you say that. Yeah, you mentioned that. He's like, I've said so many things the past few days. <laughs> like, yes, I really don't know how genius I am. I'm just throwing stuff out there constantly. It's just peak chef's kiss, green lighting. We end up at the psych office and Gus is feeling himself. He's looking at himself in the weird reflective surface thing. And the whiteboard, yeah, clear yeah. board, mirror He's just board? kind of checking know. himself out. Because he's about to go on this date with Jessica, who at the time he still thinks could be the murderer. Sean wants him to wear a wire. Wire up, my man. He's like, what? And then Sean's like, I mean, if it'll make you feel more safe, I can follow you. He's like, you will not follow me. Consider me stealth. <laughs> we are at the pier on the date with Gus and Jessica. And Gus just straight up asks about the recent breakup. And she's like, He's whoa, being whoa, super whoa. weird. And she calls him out for being weird, first of all. He's like, I'm just <laughs> excited. <laughs> she pointed out that he kept calling her after she found out that he was married. He actually thought that she would be okay with them having this affair whenever she found out that he was married. And as soon as that kind of clicks, Gus is completely relieved because he realizes that Jessica wasn't the murderer. Not only was she the murderer, but she was not breaking girl code knowingly. And when she found out this dude was married and disrespecting another woman, which, I mean, isn't explicitly said, but he was being a jerk, and she was like, I'm not part of this, uh -huh. and shut it down. And he was not giving up on that. She kind of talked about how things are crazy at work right now, everything's kind of messed up, and she let it slip that, Hugo and Brian discovered a planet about six months ago. And tomorrow they're going to be having a conference. Yeah. What are you making this face at me? I, does she say as much? All I wrote down was he's holding a press conference. It must be something big. 
he thinks it's a planet, but she doesn't say it's both of them, I don't think, does she? Oh, because... no, no, she definitely does. She straight up oh. said they may have discovered a planet about six months ago because Bryant kind of let her in on it the night that they found oh, it. Oh, yeah. yeah. And she just straight up said Hugo was going to be famous forever. And Sean mm. ends up popping out like a homeless person from underneath a blanket on a... On a bench, right beside <laughs> Gus. It's like, who goes to stand next to a bench where a person's trying to sleep and just has a conversation? Rude. I was in stealth <laughs> mode. How did you find me? You knew he was following you? Gus tries to back out of it, but it completely failed. His best way of trying to back out was said, we just needed to establish a motive. It's like, we don't, we don't, you know, think you did it any anymore. Dude, not smooth. <laughs> Jessica's done. Not only are you being dumb, but you're also losing a date, and she just walks away. Yeah, girl. Gus, like, chases her, but not until after he denies Sean of a fist bump another time. And Sean said, man, that's twice. And then he just kind he of fist bumps the air. bumps the air, yeah. So cut to the press conference and Hugo's up there holding court and he's like, yeah, yeah, it was a total accident. You know, we were switching on and off and I found it. It was, it was when I was looking through the, t I found the thing. It was me. Oh, and, and he, he dedicates the planet to Valerie. Oh yeah. Yeah. Bryant Valerie, my partner who's no longer here, even though I did it, it was totally me. I saw it. It was mine. <laughs> I made <laughs> what is certainly the discovery of my lifetime. And we end up cutting to Sean and Gus, who are having, like, this motive versus murder banter back and forth. Yeah, because Gus it goes, dude, that's murder. And Sean's like, eh, it's motive. <laughs> it's like, same thing. Motive, murder, motive, murder. He did it. <laughs> so then we get a call from Henry, and he's irate. He's like, Sean, you left Foxglove, your dirty, stinky, plant all over my mat what if some neighbor's cat walked up and chewed on it and then died and then i have to deal with dead things on my property are you kidding me this is totally reckless what were you thinking and gus overhears part of this and then he quotes the like the specific poison that would come from digitalis digitalis thank you it's okay so it's a medicine that's used in some treatments for certain heart issues but if you don't have a heart issue and you don't need this treatment it can be toxic they're talking, Sean's on the phone, Gus is telling Sean all of this, Henry is telling Sean about the foxglove as well as about the date and how they want to rekindle and whatever, and Sean said, I can't have two people solving my case at once. Can you meet me at Tom Blair's pub tomorrow night or tonight or something? Or Friday, yeah. Gus said that in order for the digitalist to show up on a talk screen, they would have to specifically test for Foxglove slash digitalis. Because you wouldn't be looking for it in someone who didn't have a pre-existing heart condition. And that is when they realized that Valerie, in dissolving his partnership with Hugo, was going to take all of the credit for the discovery because he was the one on the scope when the planet was discovered. And that's why that record was missing from the book. Okay, so not to help any would-be assassins, but they totally look for digitalis now if you have an unexplained natural causes death that looks like a heart issue in a healthy person because it is a known poison. And I was just reading <laughs> a murder mystery book and they said digitalis so many times in this book. And I was like, this is weird timing, but yeah, <laughs> word's gotten around people. So don't try to be fancy and use foxglove to poison someone. Lassiter and Juliet come into the room where they're having this meeting and Lassiter realizes that there's something going on but he can't quite figure out what it is and Sean said well at least tell me about the poison poison what poison they're like I just heard you say poison and then <laughs> all too. three of them back oh it yeah up. <laughs> <laughs> green lighting Sean decides in his own sort of psychic freak out way that he's gonna read Lassiter's thoughts he's like fine go for it whatever and for some reason, Sean kind of said that Lassiter thinks it's Hugo and suggests checking Hugo's house. And Lassiter was like, oh, I am in the process of getting a warrant for the house. He's like, I see something gardeny. There's something growing? Prince? No, 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 no. The, the artist formerly known. No, 
No, something after the artist formerly known as Prince. Lassie goes, Purple? <laughs> Lassiter said, but how would he have poisoned him and it not showed up on the talk screen? And Sean said, You're totally right. It must have been spread out over a long period of time. And Lassiter's like, yeah, that's exactly what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Gus that finally came to the conclusion that he had been poisoning him through the tea that he was bringing. Every day for six months. And that's what caused the arrhythmia. I solved it. I did that. Oh, I got it. And they're like, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. I love Gus's happy dance there. But Gus immediately stops and goes, oh, that's right. You did. And And then Lasseter just like, you know, on the charge, off to do, like, the official police things. And then we get this beautiful three. Oh. Hold on, it came back. This is where it came back. Oh. Right before Lasseter went up to arrest Hugo, he looked at Juliet and said, and get me a new pair of handcuffs. Woo! And then we get this beautiful shared smile and then a three-way fist bump. It's gorgeous. We are at the SBPD, and Lassie has gotten his groove back. He is being lauded. He solved the unsolvable, the murder no one thought was a murder. Everybody's high-fiving him and shaking his hand <laughs> and giving him the nods. And they walk in, and Sean's there. And we have a very small Lassiter manhandle Sean moment, which I, like I've been looking manhandle. forward to. Yeah. <laughs> and Lassiter goes, I mentioned my wife when I was at the bar, didn't I? Yeah, you may have. Something about she wants you back. He's like, I don't think I said that. He's like, maybe, maybe I was getting that from her. And he's like, I'm pretty sure you weren't. (laughs) (laughs) Although Lassiter is feeling himself, he said, to tell you the truth, I think I got some help on this case. And but he's looking at Juliet Uh like he trusts his partner and he feels her value. And this is like a really great side effect of what they did for him. I love the dichotomy in this episode of Sean staring at Juliet while speaking to Mary Valerie. And then at the end here when Lassiter staring at Juliet, because they're staring at her for very different reasons. But you can just see that that admiration and respect is building up for both of them just through these little like glances. And I just think that's super cute. I mean, I do think that part of Sean staring at her was a, I've got to recruit her to my side for this. But also, I just love to look at her. Yeah. Because she's Juliet. (laughs) So before they part ways, Sean looks at Lassiter and he goes, you astound me. <laughs> and Lester literally says, uh, second half to that joke? And no, no, dude, just that. <laughs> we cut to Tom Blair's pub and Henry. No, no, wait. Before, for Lasseter to walk away, he, he, he's getting ready to talk to the press, and he goes, uh, <clears throat> how's the knot? And oh. Sean just goes, tight. <laughs> <laughs> We're at the pub, and Henry is sitting at the bar alone. Sean walked up and said, I thought you had a date tonight. And Henry goes... Would you believe that I didn't want to hurt your feelings? And Henry suggests that Sean sits down and has a drink with him. You buying? (laughs) Henry goes, you kidding? And that's how the episode ends. Now, did you notice that we did not have a big, loud pineapple hunt sound? I was about to point that out. So I did have to end up Googling. I didn't see what they saw. Did you see it? Mm-mm. One of the arguments. And I think at this point, hey, we're just going to Google. And that should be We have to because yeah. sometimes they're really hard to find or they're not there. One of the things that I found that I think is probably the most plausible is that at that last bar scene, there is a lineup of Smirnoff flavored vodkas across the top. And there is one that has a yellow label on it and a picture on it. Now, it's way too blurry to tell whether it's a lemon vodka or a pineapple vodka, but that's kind of the closest thing that I've got to one. The lights, did you see the lights reference? Oh, I did not. So in the beginning, when Sean is talking to Lassiter, there are these string lights that are hanging behind Lassie. And when I first saw them, I 100% thought they were pineapples. And then... The next scene, we see them again, and they're palm trees. So those aren't pineapples. And then there's the woman's shirt that everyone said was maybe a pineapple. And no, those are also palm trees. Yeah, I did not. 
I was looking really close in the first scene we get with Henry at Henry's house. I was looking very close at his shirt. And again, no, it looks like Franz maybe of something. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, I'm going to say I didn't find it. Fight us on this. Yeah. Convince us by all means. But I didn't find a pineapple this time. I would love if someone could point it out to us. The other theory that was out there, and I can't, this was just impossible to confirm. But when they are on the pier, and Gus and Jessica are walking up the pier, there is like a little food stand behind them. And they're selling seafood kebabs. And on the kebabs, there's something that is a yellow color. But, I mean, that could be anything on a seafood kebab. I mean, the- it makes sense for it to be pineapple, but it could also be peppers. Yeah, you know? it, could be a, it could be a scallop that you know, in the light of the day looks the weird color. Like it was, it was way too, it was, that was a very heavily tinted scene. It was. Yeah. So (laughs) those were the arguments that I saw kind of over and over and over again. I don't think any of them were pineapples. I'm pretty sure that vodka was lemon vodka, not pineapple. There was a bottle of Malibu rum, which I saw, but, and Malibu rum is kind of pineapple flavored, but. Usually coconutty, but I mean, it could go either way. Yeah, so I'm saying no pineapple. Yeah, I mean, all we needed was a pina colada sitting on a bar. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, with like maybe a little garnish of pineapple. Yeah, I mean, we had all those pub scenes. We we don't get a garnish of pineapple on anything. Why the heck did he order a vodka soda? Uh, because I love vodka sodas. But why the heck did he order a vodka soda instead of a pina colada? Like, that would have been perfect. Because <laughs> he was um, still trying to impress someone. <laughs> I don't know if you go on a date and go, I'll have a pina colada. Yes, I love but, pina coladas. I mean, I will say we did miss Vic, Chief Vic, in this episode again. But apparently she's taking more maternity leave than she intended to because she did not see us in the office on Monday, y'all. <laughs> Which is good. You know, yeah. women... By all means, take your time yes. with the baby, whichever I'm... parent you are. If you just pushed a human out of your vagina, like, you have the right to take your time. And if your partner just pushed a human out of their vagina, you have the right to take your time. Or you just brought a brand new human into your home. You need that familial bonding moment. Exactly what I was going to say. So take the frickin' time. (laughs) I actually have done a lot of research in the past, like, two days on family leave, personally family leave. And there are more states in the U.S., that do not have any standard for family leave after a child or an adoption or something like that, then there are states that do have them, and significantly less. I mean, as a country, as a federal policy, I think we're one of the only developed countries that does not have a standard for this. Yep. I mean, seriously, I'm glad Chief is taking the time. I agree. Go, girl. She's coming back, y'all. She's still going to be the Chief, so suck it. Well, in California... (laughs) To that point, you are required to give your employees, FMLA or not, you are required to give your employees 12 weeks of leave upon Mm. the birth of a child, the adoption of a child, et cetera, et cetera. And that's for both parents, not just the one who birthed it. (laughs) Good for Vic. Yeah, Vic. Go chief. Karen. (laughs) (laughs) Do we have anything else for this episode? This one, honestly, this one was lighter than a lot of the ones we've done lately. Mm -hmm. We didn't have like a lot of like forewarnings or anything. Sadly, no pineapple either, but it was very light, fun, packed with good things, great quotes, great firsts, a three-way fist bump. Let's just like golf clap. I'm Alexis and I don't know how you do it. I mean, it's not psychicness. We both know that's a crock of crap. But you, sir, are unstoppable. Guaranteed arrest. And I'm Kaylee. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why time travel is not only possible, but may have already happened. And this has been To To the the Blueberry! Blueberry!